Welcome to the Joe Schmo Theology Podcast, where we discuss confessions. I ain't confessing nothing! Reformed theology. I don't know what either of those words mean. And apologetics. I am not apologizing for anything either. I am your host, Adam D. Murray, and joined with me today on this program is my brother, Aaron D. Murray. What's up, y'all? This is episode 20 of Joe Schmo Theology, the podcast where two dummies talk about smart things. I'm A.A. Ron. You don't mess up. You add dumb. I'm add dumb. Dumb. We the Joe Bros. Today we are going to be talking about apologetic methods, and we will be using the movie God Is Not Dead as a foil for that conversation, which we, which we both just watched together for the first time, and are completely unmotivated to podcast. <laughs> This is the last thing I want to do. I want to go take a shower after watching that movie and then go to bed. I don't know. I kind of want to watch something more stimulating like Transformers 5. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh. It's funny because that was a terrible movie. I know. That's that's the joke, Adam. It's a good one. That's the joke. That's a good one. What's up? How was Mother's Day? Did you do anything fun? Uh, I was up in Michigan with Hannah and her family. Um, We celebrated Mother's Day and... Um, her dad's birthday as well, so we had like three different parties with Dude, different parts of our family. We literally just did that yesterday with Mary's mom and her really? dad. Literally, just back to back. Well, they all came over and it was kind of like the same thing, and we had ice cream and it was oh. it was a thing. He's got it done in one. one yeah, we, we knocked it out. We did it like three days in a row. It was good. Dude, your holidays are gonna suck. No. Yeah, man. They're fun, especially Christmas time. Dude, I think bank oh, is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was good. Um, Last week I had a CIC class at work. Which Nobody knows what that means, and it's probably boring. It is boring, but it was my second to last one, hopefully. So I find out how I did in a few weeks. I'm hoping to be done with that. Okay, real quick, what is it? <laughs> uh, it's just a, a class towards a designation. It's not for insurance. For insurance. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Snore. Uh, also, I'm getting audited, so that's fine. Ooh, why? Um, how? By who? <laughs> by the government Ugh. for my taxes. Um, Would you not pay them? No, I paid them. It's just I took some money because I work off commission. I never know how much money I'm going to make. Uh-huh. So I took a subsidy, which I shouldn't have done, for health insurance last year. Idiot. And it came back, and they're like, you made money, more money than you thought you were going to, so you owe us this amount. And that's fine. I was like, that's fine, whatever. It's all theft. Anyway. Yeah, you love taxes. Right, they're great. <clears throat> but then I think my roommate threw away the bill. I was oh, to pay. <laughs> so no. I, don't, I don't know how to. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, yeah, yeah, life happens. Just go to irs.com and go to pay bill, and it's that easy. Cool, man, thanks. Because that's just, that's just, you know, the it's government makes things very step. simple. Right, I'm sure there will be no loopholes to jump through. And easy for us. Yeah. Hey, doing? are you and Hannah planning on buying a house? Uh, not anytime soon. But, like, ever? Yeah. Okay, well, let me give you some advice okay. as a homeowner. Cool. Okay, some, 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 some things that I've learned over the few years that I've owned a home. Okay. Give me your wisdom. When you when you when you purchase a home, before you even move in, figure out where the shutoff valves are for everything. Okay. So where the shutoff valves for are with gas if you have gas, but especially for water. Yeah. If you have water, it's it's a given. So so <laughs> you have that like, you have like that advice now. It's it's a given for you now because I've told you. What, what happened? But there? but for some people who <laughs> buy houses, they may not think that. Yeah. So it's a given now that, that you know. Right. Right. But before, so it may not necessarily be a right. given for no, some people. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for your wisdom. Yeah. Definitely figure that out. So so we're when did you learn this? Uh, last week. Last week. Last week. Um, Any particular reason? Well, yeah. So you know, Mary was up in the wee hours of the morning feeding Dominic and uh, our dog starts to bark because we keep him out here in the garage right when we go to bed. Sure. So she comes out to the garage and, and there are th- there's three inches of water out in my garage. And, Seriously? And there's... Yeah, I took care... Dude, I cleaned up good. We're in the garage right now. I could not tell at all. Yeah, this shop vac is probably got five to six gallons of water in it right now. I probably couldn't even pick it up. Well done. Um, I don't know why I haven't dumped it out yet. It's been a week. Feels like an easy thing to do. <laughs> Anyway, so she comes out, there's a pipe that's busted right over here, and it's just pouring out water, just pouring it out. So she wakes me up, and I'm trying to find the shutoff valve. I can't find it. Go inside, 
look through, you know, the sinks and stuff, can't find it, run around the outside of the house, can't find it. Okay, maybe I can shut it off out from the water meter. So I find the water meter, which is right over there in the driveway, open that puppy up and it's full of gravel because the city uh, moved it. And I did not know that. So, uh, yeah, we ended up having to call um, Citizens Gas and they came out and shut it off for us. So, oh yeah, I also had to look in the crawl space for for the shutoff yeah, valve. Yeah, and there were three inches of water down there too. Wow. And I don't know if you've ever been in a crawl space before, I have. but it sucks. Three it's of water. it's not fun. There's spider webs everywhere. You're Obviously. you're crawling army home, crawling man. in water. It's, it's, it's disgusting. I hate it. So where did this pipe burst? Which one? Right there, the right little there? where it elbowed out the coupling, kind of wow. came undone because whoever put it up. Or put it on, didn't tighten it enough. Oh no, that's my air conditioning. It's gonna be super loud. Let's pause this and shut that off really quick. Sorry, y'all. And we're back. AC is off. We're good to go. We're off to a good start, man. So good yeah, um, my house almost flooded, but by the grace of God, it did not. I did not handle it well. Mm. I was, I was. Uh, Say a few choice words. Uh, there were some choice words. Um, choice, like, choice, oh, choice thoughts. Well, I said golly a few golly times. Golly, <laughs> Um I stabbed my wife a few times, so I had to repent to her. Yeah, but wait, what were you calling her earlier? Hash? No, she uh, said she made breakfast hash. She said, "Here, have some breakfast hash," and she said it like that. And I was like, "That sounds like an insult." So we started calling each other breakfast hash, and then I accidentally called her a hag. You <laughs> did. You did. Hash. I was like, "Wait, what did you say?" <laughs> so, um, anyways. What did you think of the movie? Let's just give our quick thoughts of the movie before we really get into this idea of apologetics. Okay, okay. But, what, I mean, because we just watched it. Okay. Um, honestly, I was expecting worse. Yeah. It, it wasn't good, but I was expecting worse. I thought the production value was a lot better than I thought it was. Right. There, there was some trash acting. Not as bad as, like, Face New Giants. No, that, but... that girlfriend at the beginning was the worst. Yeah. The professor, I thought, was actually really He was my favorite actor. character. Yeah, he was a good actor. I yeah, liked him. Solid. Um, so it was it was okay. It was a little bit, cheesy. a little bit cheesy, super cheesy. Um, everyone in that movie was super unrealistic, like super unrealistic. Like uh, for example, and I'm gonna go ahead and throw out spoilers because it's been out for like. Oh no! Years. Don't spoil. God is not dead. Hey, wait, wait! <laughs> Spoiler: He's not. <laughs> not. The health of God was slightly over. That was actually like, the one line I appreciated. Yeah. Um, but no, so that so like in the beginning when his girlfriend was like, if you do this, it's over, and then she broke up with him. Like, you've been dating for six years, and that's as deep as the relationship gets, and you're supposed to be a believer, and yet you won't encourage him to take a stand for that. In fact, you're just going to leave. Like, I don't know. She was super unrealistic. But then the other couple where, um, you know, they sit down for dinner, and the guy's like, I got named partner today. She's like, I have news, too. I have cancer. He's like, you had to do this now. You know what? It's over between us. I'm like, really? That's how nobody acts ever in any situation. Yeah. So, I don't know. There were some things like that that I was like, what are we doing? What yeah. are we doing? Well, I made the Transformers 5 joke, but it did actually kind of remind me of that in the editing, where a lot of the editing just didn't make sense. What do you mean? Like, just the well, well, like shot cut, to shot? Shot to shot, but just like... Uh, I don't understand why that guy, the businessman, why was why was he in it? That didn't really pertinent to the story. the The Muslim chick who it was a converted Psalm seventy three thing didn't really matter to the story at all. Um, there, there was just things that I was like, okay. That, I mean, I feel like really... it was implied that she was going to be the new girlfriend for the guy at the end. You know, I, I feel like know. that was there. I don't know. Maybe even God is not too it dead was too. Just, it was just different. Different characters and their stories being fleshed out throughout the course. Yeah, yes, I, I guess. So before we keep going, let what are apologetics? Like, let's let's talk about that because this was this was kind of an apologetics yeah. or it was an attempt at an apologetics movie. Like, hey, Christians, bring your non-believing friends so they can text God is not dead at the end of the movie. Um, I didn't think it was a great apologetics movie, no, I didn't but what are what are what are apologetics? Defense of the faith. Defense of the faith. Yeah. Right. Give me more on that. <laughs> a means of defending the faith. I don't know what you want from me. Well, right. Uh, so I guess, like, what's the difference between apologetics and evangelism? Maybe maybe we can flush it out that way. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, evangelism is just sharing the gospel, sharing Christ with people. Apologetics is more um, 
defending against the objections that people have to the faith. Mm -hmm. So there's one where you just go out and you're sharing. There's another one where it's, let me hear your objections and let me give you a response. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. that's how it. Um, Are they interchangeable or or like, can you do one without the other? Um, I think you can do evangelism without apologetics. I don't think you can do apologetics without evangelism. If that makes sense. Uh, for instance, I mean, I, like if you're just sitting down and you're like, "Hey, let me talk to you. This is what I believe," and you just walk through, "This is what I believe." Um, I mean, you're you're stating your presuppositions and whatnot, but I don't feel, feel like you're doing apologetics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the means of apologetics should always be to bring it back to the gospel. So when someone says something like, "I don't understand." why bad things happen to good people. Well, there's your, there's your end to talk about like how there are no good people, right? Right. How we are all in need of Christ. Like those, I mean, I don't know. So that's my, that's my take on it. For sure. Thoughts? No, no, I, I pretty much agree with you. Um, is apologetics biblical or, or what would you say to someone who says, I don't think apologetics really are biblical. Maybe that's a better, cause obviously we'd say yes. Uh, I'd say read Paul. Read Paul. Um, Stephen gave a whole a list of um, the history of the church in object, you know, giving objection or giving answers to the objections of the Jews. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's examples of it throughout all of Scripture. I don't know how you would get around that. Um, okay, I know you. I know. I know that you have this memorized. Okay, what is what always is, be prepared to give a defense? To yeah, the reason for the hope that you have. Right. So, so there are. I think there are. There's definitely more than just, you know, a few places here and there that say, or that would support the idea of apologetics. Um, but I think we've got two ex- explicit examples of the idea of apologetics. So you, you mentioned First Peter 3. So I'm going to read First Peter 3, 13 and 15, through 15. It says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So uh, the word defense, uh, I guess in Greek, from what I'm told, I don't speak Greek, but from what I'm told is apologia, which nice. means... you pronounced it correctly. I did, I yeah. did. Uh, like, you speak Greek. <laughs> <laughs> Um, apologia, which means defense, and that's where I guess we get the word apologetics. Right. Right. Correct. So <clears throat> you have Peter kind of saying, listen, you, you always be ready to make a defense for anyone who asks the reason for the hope that is within you. So be ready to defend the gospel from unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then you have Jude. How many chapters of the book of Jude? I want to say... One. one. Trick question. Ha! <laughs> I, I knew it was either one or three. Okay. Which one is up for? Uh, no, just go around. So, so go <laughs> no, no, keep talking. No, 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 no. I love this. Um, Jude verses three and four say this. Beloved, although I was very eager to write about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered for the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God and the sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So <clears throat> if you read the whole book of Jude, uh, the whole chapter of it, you, you would see that the, the book of Jude is talking about contending for the faith, fighting for the faith, defending for the faith from people within the church, from false teachers, these kind of things. It's just a moth flying around. You're no, fine. there was a bat in here. No, it's not a bat. There was a bat. There was not a bat. Flew Dude, over I my head. You're insane. It's a big moth. Anyways, <laughs> you're killing me here. So, <clears throat> First Peter talks about you know having having a defense for anyone who asks you who is a non-believer, and then Jude talks about having a defense and contending for the faith for those who are inside the church. So, there's two explicit examples right there of having an apologetic or having a defense of the faith, and that's really what apologetics is. Like you said, is a defense of the faith. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? No, that's good. Good stuff. Dude, you literally did no preparation for this. I did it. I, we did came to watch nothing. the movie. We were just going to go off of that. And talk about apologetics. Is that all you... Really? <laughs> I thought we were going to answer the objections that came up in the movie. That's well, see... Thought. Okay, let's talk about this for a second. Okay. Because I was kind of thinking we'd do that too. But there, there like weren't any... objection. No, it was, really, it was awful. Yeah. It was, it was not a good film. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, you're right. It, it wasn't. It didn't give you a lot to go on. It, it gave you nothing to go on. It, it it was it was worthless. There was, I mean, there was plenty to talk about in the movie. We as mean, far as like theology goes, as far yeah, as theology definitely. Goes, it was a little free willy. It had some trinitarian issues in it. it uh, I don't know. It was, quite a bit yeah um not walking in wisdom quite a bit from a lot of those characters yeah um but yeah i mean the two major ones that i am really the only two things that they discussed from an apologetic standpoint was the origin of the universe mm-hmm. as in does nothing come from nothing where did god come from that kind of thing and the other one was why does bad stuff happen to good people you know those are the two those are the two questions that came up. Yeah, that was about it. I kind of, I kind of got the sense that the writers were old Earth or even like theistic. Yeah, I did get that too. Yeah. Theistic evolutionists. Yeah, that's I, that, I, that. I was that was the sense that I was getting from the film. Yeah, I did too. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, considering the conservative people they were trying to appeal to. Yeah, it um, it gave me that feel too because he started talking about. Um, how a big bang corresponds with when God said, let there be light. Like, right. Yeah. 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 You know, that definition yeah. that whoever Dawkins or whatever gave on the origin of the universe, like that's exactly how I would expect it to happen if God said, let there be light. And so, see so the Bible and science, you know, working, I don't know, together. It was kind of like an interesting, weird little argument, but it didn't yeah. flesh out at all. That's just kind of like the impression that it gave me. Yeah. I, I, I agree. <clears throat> I hated the pastor's character. Oh, he's terrible. Why'd I, you hate him? Because he just didn't seem like a pastor to me. Like, there was there was one line in there where he's like, oh, I just, you know, he's got a missionary friend. He's like, I wish I could be, like, in the trenches like you are, doing something meaningful. It's like, bro, you have the opportunity to preach the gospel every week. Right. You kidding me right now? <laughs> he was are you like, serious? He was like, because the, the missionary goes, you need this vacation more than I do. He goes, I just need some meaningful work so I have something to take a vacation from. I'm like, dude... <laughs> Yeah, I would. Shut the joke flock. <laughs> I would not be going to your church. Uh, no, um, I don't. I don't know. There's just not a. I, I'd say from from here on out, let's just focus on different apologetic methods. All right, so let's and, talk and about because this movie was worthless. Main apologetic methods then. So you got precept and you got evidentialism. What are the differences? Well, I think you got you've got more than that. So you you have like the classical. <laughs> well, look at you. The, the, more apologetic methods. The classical apologetic method, the evidential, the presuppositional, the what I don't even know how to say this. Like the eclectic. That's the, right word. The, the, That's a word. <laughs> it, I think Turretin wrote that, or is it? Uh, I don't know. This other I haven't really looked into it, but so classical. Right, me. What is classical? Classical apologetics would be things like. Uh, so, so they would say, um, our our faith is based on reason. So, the it, it's kind of a twofold argument where they would say, okay, first we need to prove that theism is true, and then we need to prove that it's the God of the Bible that that's true. So, a lot of what even God is not dead. I, I feel like he kind of used a lot of the. Um, classical apologetic arguments so you've got like the ontological right, argument right. the cosmological the teleological and these are big words that that basically mean the like William Lane Craig-y. yeah so yeah. a lot of like William Lane Craig type stuff so um the teleological argument is is basically saying look when you look at all of the earth you see that things are designed and so you work back from it's like reverse engineering kind right. of a thing cosmological and teleological and all, like purpose and blah 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 so there's there's these all, all types of things so you prove that there is uh, a deity out there and then from there if they can say okay there is a deity then we can talk about the god of the bible so one thing i know that lane craig does all the time is just deal with probability is that a classical staple or is that yeah, I mean, and that kind of like bleeds into evidential a little bit as well. Right, I think so too. Um, but I, I definitely feel like the movie God Is Not Dead is kind of like that because at the end where he has like three opportunities to present, you know, uh, evidence for God or whatever, he kind of ends it and, it was, and people are like, okay, yeah, I believe that there is God. God is not actually dead, okay. And then he leaves it at that. And at this point it's like, okay, so you, you've established the fact that there's a deity out there. Um, but which one? Right. Right. It, it's com- it's completely hopeless, and you have all these people like, oh yeah, okay, great, and so they're gonna go to hell 
more condemned now because they're convinced that there is a god and they that, still continue to reject him. Yeah, that bothered both of us. It's like the debate's over, the professor leaves the room, you've got like a hundred students just standing up ready to listen to you and it's like, alright. And you just cut so you yeah, we're done. Yeah. Let's walk away. It was awful. It was, it was awful. And I mean, <clears throat> especially when you're thinking about from because this is the biggest argument that I hear from people who really like the movie. It was like, okay, it's great because I can take my non-believing friends to it. Okay, so what? Because they're going to get the exact same thing. It, it's just it's just worthless. Right. So you have that. That's the classical. Other than the opportunity to like flesh it out with them afterwards, but I feel like yeah, maybe. I feel like that has nothing to do with the content of the movie itself. Right. So yeah, why not take the opportunity? Yeah. So then there's evidential. Mm-hmm. Why don't you take evidential? Uh, it, it's how it sounds. Uh, as where you you argue based off of the available evidence. Um, so I can do precept better than I can do evidential because evidential is just you're looking at you're looking at things like where did the where did the universe originate from? Can we prove evolution or not? Like if we can't if we can disprove evolution, then that's a that's an evidence of a creator. Um, you know, the universe expanding or, or stagnating, or all these different things where you're looking at the available evidence in order to prove your your position. I, I don't know how to explain it any better than that. Yeah, no, I I think that's right, and I think the the evidential approach to apologetics it, it's kind of compounding upon itself. So it's like, okay, so I've proven that the the likelihood of God existing is is greater because rock layers. You know, rock layers would would prove the existence of God. So then right. you go on to look at the speed of light and how the speed of light travels, and if it traveled any differently, our world wouldn't be shaped the way it is. So there's another evidence for yeah. a creator, and it just compounds upon so itself. That, and that's the thing. I mean, it. I feel like evidentialism is limited to, and maybe it's not, but it feels like it's limited to creation and then like biblical accounts right so for instance looking at the grand canyon and seeing like the sedimentary layers and stuff like this is evidence of a worldwide flood you know a catastrophe that happened that caused all this stuff you know um mm-hmm. but i don't feel like it really reaches into um things like morality it's just this is the evidence for creation and we saw that the the walls of Jericho fell outward, so that supports the biblical data. You know, right. like those types of things, but it doesn't get into heart issues. It just, it's more there to verify the scriptural account of creation and mm-hmm. events thereof. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what, do you, what do you see as the downside, maybe, of evidential apologetics? I think that. Yeah. I mean, um, I think that you don't get to... I don't think that you get to the heart of the gospel or to man's condition or anything like that from an evidentialist perspective doesn't mean you can't move into it from an evidential perspective I'm not like a, I know a lot of people who are pretty anti-evidentialism and I'm not mm-hmm. um, I think there's a time and there's a place for it it's yep. helpful um, but I do think it's limited to like I said uh, creation and you know biblical historical accounts but not necessarily the heart of man or the need for Christ or morality or anything like that it's just kind of so I think that's I think it's limited in that sense mm-hmm. that makes sense I think also just the fact that and this is the case for precept too I think but so the, the fact that the spirit is the one that changes hearts and you can give as much evidence as you want uh, for something you know it doesn't mean that someone's gonna gonna believe it until their eyes are open so it could be a losing battle in that case too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think also uh, and I want to be careful how I say this because I don't want to accuse everybody who holds to this perspective as as falling into this pit. But I think it, it's a very wide open pit that would be very easy to fall into if, if you're very like a strict evidentialist, um, and and that would be starting to question the inerrancy of Scripture mm. because a, a, evidence comes and goes and 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 ebbs and flows in one direction or another depending on the time that you're living in. So you've got all these kinds of things which would say, okay, so the evidence would suggest that the uh, Red Sea does not actually split open. So Moses could not, you know, Moses and all these millions of Israelites couldn't walk through. Or look at all these different types of evidence that says, you know, there was no flood. Or you've got these people who are alive, these, these civilizations that are alive and this is when the flood is supposed to be taking place. So you've got all these other things. So it's like, okay, well, base and, and, and if you're taken in by those things, 
you can say, like Andy Stanley has been saying, you don't need the Old Testament. Christians need to unhitch themselves from the Old Testament because the evidence is suggesting something completely different. Mm -hmm. And so he's saying, you know, basically just focus on the resurrection and don't worry about all these other types of miracles. Okay, so what's really important to become a Christian or to be convinced that Christianity is true is the resurrection. Right, right. So that's what he's saying. So I kind of see that kind of as a pit to fall into. So here's here's what I think I would say this. So so Luke 16, right? Luke 16, you've got Jesus telling the story of the rich man and, and Lazarus, which I would say is a real story. It's not actually a parable, um, but it's actual historical fact. <clears throat> but so here we're going to just uh, jump in in verse 27. And I think this is the uh, rich man saying, and he said, and he's in Hades. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. And he's asking for Lazarus, you know, to, you know, send Lazarus out so he can preach to my brothers about this. He says, I beg you, Father, to send him out to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, now this is important, because this goes right in the face of, I guess, what Andy Stanley has been saying. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, hashtag the Old Testament. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them um, from the dead, they will repent. This is important. He said, He said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should raise from the dead. So this whole idea of even, you know, all you have to do is believe in the resurrection. That's going to prove Christianity is true. Don't worry about any of these other things. This this right here squashes that. So so take that, Andy Stanley. Um and I think that this can be something, and again, I'm going to be very careful with how I say this because I, I know evidentialists and I, I don't think they would fall into this. But you have people like Andy Stanley who is leading you know, thousands and thousands of people into something like this. Um, and, and it's very, very dangerous. So evidence is very good, but we cannot completely rely on that. And so, and, and even let's just jump back into God is not dead here for a second because at the end, the whole premise of the movie was this philosophy professor says, okay, I want you to write God is not dead so we can get this out of the way so we can actually focus on philosophy. And this Christian guy says, I can't do that. And so the professor says, okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you three opportunities you know, in the next coming lectures, 20 minutes to present your case that God is actually not dead, and then we'll, um, we'll decide if you pass or fail. And the Christian says, okay, well, who's going to be the judge? He goes, the professor says, I am. He says, that's not fair. Why don't we make all the students be the judge? Okay, sure. So what, what you're doing then, and then even afterwards, he presents all his things, and the people stand up, and there's dramatic music, and it's like, oh, yeah, God is not that great. Um, but, but what you're doing there, and I think it's, it's really unfortunate that that happens because we're now, like, the idea of putting God on trial is, is really, really offensive because what we're doing is saying we're actually going to decide whether something proves God or doesn't prove God. It's, it's the creature saying I'm going to decide whether the creator actually exists. Mm. And, and that, that is just, it's, it's almost blasphemous. I think you could even say that it is. Like, that's, that's, that's just not good. Right. <laughs> so so you, I think you run that risk if you have an evidentialist approach to I- interact with that. Yeah. I Call was, me down if I need to. I was, I was, well, I was going to make a quick comment that I felt like the movie itself had a really low view of Scripture. Yes. Because there were several times, like, for instance, when the kid's deciding whether he wants to take this challenge or not, he goes to a church and he's sitting there and that pastor's like, hey read this passage, and if you're not convinced that you should do this, then read this passage. Mm-hmm. And the kid's like, that's it? Yeah. You just want me to read a couple passages? You well, know, I mean, you want me to go to the Word? To be fair to that, though, he did go, and that was what motivated him to stay. Right. No, I know, but there were a couple instances like that throughout the entire movie where I was kind of like, the professor even said, oh, there's your baseline fundamentalist. You yeah. just say, oh, believe the book, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> like, yeah, that right. Yeah, saying. that's exactly what we're saying. You know, like, um, you know, so there was, a, there was a couple times like that where I was like, where I was kind of, kind of thinking, where is, the, where is the high view of scripture in this? Um, but what were we talking about before that? We were talking about um, interacting with something. Andy said. Stanley and the whole evidentialist falling into you know, denying inerrancy, essentially, or at least coming very close to that, as well as, you know, putting God on trial and we being the judge yeah, over was, what I God presents. Yeah, I to ask you, because I think you make a good point that as creatures, we don't, we don't put God on trial, but does that mean that we shouldn't be informed, that we shouldn't study, that we shouldn't ask the questions? <clears throat> no, I think, I think the questions should be asked, and, you know, I think one of the Proverbs says it's to, um, like, it's God's 
glory to, to hide, hide things, things and it's the kings, kings to, seek to seek them out. out. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, God has, has um, hidden things and through his word revealed things as well. And so we're able to glorify God by seeking those things out. But the, the fact is that it is, it is indeed glorifying God, not necessarily saying, okay, God, um, if this is true, or I'm going to test you and look at all this stuff and be like, okay, yeah, you know what? The, the rock layers look pretty good and the stratus and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I think God exists. Mm-hmm. So I, there's a difference between um, growing in knowledge of God's creation versus um, judging whether God exists or not based off of his creation. Yeah. I, I, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think that's accurate. And I think you're right. Um, when it comes to evidentialism, you, you can fall into, because, you, you know, I think that, I, I don't want to, like, throw a big warning out there and say, don't do not do evidentialism apologetics, because I think you really should. Um, but, you know, evidence sometimes will will fluctuate. And truth is truth. It's not that ev- evidence changes, but there's so much that we don't know. Um, I think they had an example in there. What was it? Where um, he's like, for 2,500 2, years... What was his example in that? Um, I don't know. It's probably asleep. <laughs> right, right. It had something. It had something to do with um, philosophers looking at the way that, that the Earth did something, rotated, or something like that, and yeah. um, you know, and, and looking at Scripture and what it said about whatever the particular thing was. You know, we saw that Scripture held true, and as science caught up to it, we found out that like, oh, this is this verifies yeah. what Scripture has been saying. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of times where the the science of the day will will show something, um, you know, and there's oftentimes back and forth, and it depends on the presupposition of the person looking at the evidence and a lot of different things, but you can be led one way or the other, but I think really objectively looking at the evidence isn't a bad thing. Right. Um, no, I would agree with that. I, I think evidence are good. All, right. So, yeah. Does that make sense? No, I, I, I agree with you there. I think evidence is important and it must be used, and I think we'll get into that uh, in a second once we talk about presuppositionalism but first let's play a game Uh, would you rather okay so would you rather okay would you rather the only things that you can watch on tv or movies be god is not dead one two and three there are more than one there's a third one coming out this summer. Oh. Okay, so so these, so let's say the Jets are playing. You go to B Dubs. You sit there. You look at the game. Boom! God is not That's dead not too. Dead. Okay. So anytime Whatever you the other option any, is, I'll any, anytime it. you look at the screen, God is not dead. Or the only thing you listen to is William Lane Craig talking about Molinism. Oh. Anytime you turn the radio on, you put your headphones on. And anytime like something comes to the loudspeakers, you could be walking around Walmart. It's about people are announcing it's closing. Nope, William Lane Craig talking about modalism. Uh, this is an easy one. Okay. Should have made it harder. And it's not modalism; it's molinism. Well, it could be both. <laughs> it could be. He's I, not a modalist. He's certainly he's certainly not a modalist. No, he's not a modalist. That, William Lane Craig is not a modalist, y'all. No. Okay, that's heresy. Molinism is just a very, 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 very grave error. Oh yeah. Heterodox, maybe? Heterodox? I, would say. I think that's accurate. Definitely not I biblical. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Um, no music, ever. Yeah, I started throwing the word counterfactual around a lot after I <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Um, yeah, this is, this is easy, but I'll go ahead and ask some questions. Okay, ask me some questions. Okay. <clears throat> let, me, let me think of some. <laughs> All right, so, so this is... Anytime I listen to anything, so Spotify, Spotify, podcast, you could be downloading. You could be well. So, so it's only if if it's a headphone. If if um, if you're you know biblically singing like like a cappella in the Psalms, then of course not. But if you're at these like big fancy like like speakers and and stuff, Um, they come through a speaker. So are we limiting it to speakers, or is it? I'll say you can listen to sermons. But they're by William Lane Craig. <laughs> awesome, great. So, so Pastor so, Mark's up there. It's like great. Everyone's getting this like great sermon from the Word, and you're you're hearing William Lane Craig, which could be you know really good because sometimes he has some good things to say, or it could be just like pulling your hair out. Yeah, you don't know. Pastor, Pastor Mark's up there, and all I all I hear is, I'm just dealing with the with the probabilities here. God is dealing with the cards that He has been dealt. 
Yeah, exactly. That one right here? Uh-huh. That'd be awesome. Cool. Sim- similar to that. Mm-hmm. All right, so just stay home and read my Bible. That's what you're saying. No. <laughs> no, I'm not <laughs> saying that. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, so that's the only thing I'm allowed to listen to is sermons by William Lake Craig and anything he talks about regarding Mormonism. Yeah. Um, so TV... It's God is not dead. One, two, or three. Uh-huh. Are two and three better than one? I, why would I know that? <laughs> I, 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 I doubt know. it. They would almost have to be. Wouldn't I, they? Mean, I mean, yeah, but they're you know, the bar yeah. has been set low. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, all right. Um, so we don't know. We don't have an answer to that question. Uh, I'm running out of questions. I don't have any other questions. Okay. Can I choose to not do one of those things? Like, but, can I just give up TV and all of that? Or can I give up listening to anything? I mean, I, I guess you could, but anytime, like, anything's coming through a television or the radio, that's what you're going to hear. Wow. So, like, you're walking around Best Buy, boom, God is not dead. Cool, 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 cool. All right, I'm going to make my decision. Okay. I am going to give up TV. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I interact with that less. That would probably be a good thing for me to do in real life anyway. So, so you're going to listen to William Lee Craig all the time? No, 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 no. I'm going to listen to everything but William Lee Craig. Okay. All right. Although I do... I so so you're, 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 you're going... You're, some good stuff. you're going with the God is not dead. Like watching God is not dead. No, I would... Yeah. I would rather have God is not dead on everything. And I would just, I would just not have a TV in the uh-huh, house, uh-huh. and I wouldn't go out to eat with places that have TVs. That's impossible. That's like literally impossible. Now. Really? You can't go anywhere. You go to Taco Bell. Yeah, Taco Bell doesn't really have TVs, do they? Yeah. Good you, for them. You can go to Little Caesars. Little Caesars is not really a restaurant. It's not dining. You can go to you can't go to McDonald's. Yep, can't go to Burger McDonald's. King. Burger King has them too. Big guy. No, 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 no. Yep. no. Yep. Oh, some of them do. Yes, sir. Uh, Long John Silver's. Wow, you you wouldn't goes. go to Long John Silver's anyways. You know what? I'd go disgusting. to a China buffet. Yeah, you're right. I China buffets have them buffet, too. But I could sit on the other side of the room. But you would still hear them. You can't still hear it. Well, you sit underneath it in China buffets. All you hear was newsboys. Like level three yeah. volume, which is mm-hmm. fine. All right. This is an easy decision. <laughs> I, I didn't realize you didn't Plus, like Lane Craig so much. You know what? No, I, I do. I just don't want to hear about Molinism because I die. Um, and I like to be able to listen to other things. That's yeah. The, that's the main thing. That's the wanna, biggest thing. I don't want to give up listening to music and stuff. Plus, if I go to a restaurant, I can just throw my headphones in and listen to uh, Loophole. <laughs> Boom. Listen to anything I want. I guess. But then that's rude. Like, what if you're going with Hannah? Um, and you just throw your headphones on. Yeah, and she wouldn't we'll, appreciate we'll call that. Call each other with headphones. <laughs> That's so stupid. Yeah, and we'll talk on the phone while we eat. It's great. Gross. See, there's always a way. There's always a way. I guess, but I mean, when you turn your phone screen on, guess what pops up? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck getting to those podcasts and the oh, music, big guy, because oh, all you're watching is God is not dead. Great. Oh yes. Where's my iPod Wrong We're answer. Going. Yeah, exactly. We're going <laughs> You're gonna have to have someone load that music for you though, because you turn that computer on. Guess what you see? Wait, so it's not just on in the background. I can't do anything. <laughs> any any type of like like I can't even screen. Work. So I, oh, dude, you're screwed. Oh my goodness. You're done. Can I come work for you? No. Oh, thanks. Buddy. No, you can't. Awesome. Um, cool. That's my um, game. I came up with that just now. Because I had forgotten that it was my turn. Yeah, well, it was good. It wasn't as good as my joke, but it was good. <laughs> At least it was a game. <laughs> so, joke was better. It wasn't as long as your joke. I'll tell you that. <clears throat> All right, so let's talk about presupp. Yeah, let's talk about presuppositionalism. So the idea of presupp. So you've got the classical view, you've got the evidential view, and these these are like in order to be proficient at these, you have to be a genius in like everything, and. That's just not really plausible, especially for us, because no, we're, we're JSTs here. JSTs. Joe Schmo Theologians. Till I die. Till I die. We should get a shirt that says JST <laughs> till I die. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I don't know if I like that, because then we're just like consigning ourselves to not grow. Yeah. Exactly. JSTs till tomorrow. <laughs> Dang it. All right, we're done. Um, so, so, presuppositionalism is kind of like, so think of, uh, think of all these other like martial arts and self-defense things. If, if pre-sup or self-defense thing, it would be jujitsu. 
Because basically what it does is it takes the other person, like jujitsu takes the other person's body weight and it uses it against them. And presuppositionalism uses someone's worldview and uses it against them. Okay. So what presuppositionalism is, is, is basically kind of the Romans one approach where everyone knows that God exists, but they suppress the truth of God and unrighteousness. Right. So if someone says something to the effect, kind of like God is not dead, like there's, there's all kinds of evil in this world. So um, I, I can't believe in God because there's evil. Mm-hmm. What's the response to that in a pre-sub? Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. What was the question? Wow. <clears throat> I zoned out. Dude, I wow. About, I was thinking about the movie. What was the question? If someone says to you that... What was the question? If uh, someone says to you... example. Well, I was trying to give you one. I like, I like threw the ball up to you and you could have Wait, sunk on. that thing well, and sent it home. I wrote, I wrote one down. Oh, now you're going to throw it back on me. Yeah. I love the pre-sup approach. <laughs> that was not pre-sup. Uh-huh, a little bit. It was a little bit jujitsu. Um, this isn't even like a theological one, right? But okay. This one cracked me up. All right, hit me. Okay. So, do you remember when... Probably not. Phil Robertson, whatever that dude's name The is, Duck Dynasty guy? The Duck Dynasty mm-hmm. guy is walking up and that chick reporter comes and is like, I'm going to do a sneak attack, whatever. Yeah. She's like, so you kill all these ducks or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> you make a million dollars off of that? She's like, what... What gives you the moral ground to kill all these animals, to hunt all these animals? Uh-huh. What gives you the right to do that? Uh-huh. What would be your response be? I would probably ignore her, actually. Oh, really? Um, I was thinking, like, well, according to your worldview, we're all animals, right? Right. We all, we all so, have the... You can't... You get them, yeah. Right, so, so you're, you're, you wouldn't necessarily respond with that answer. You would ask, what's your basis? Because... If if she's gonna hold to a like a Darwinian evolutionary approach, then what the duck hunting is actually more moral, because it's getting it's survival of the fittest. Right. In fact, it would be purifying. Though. It would be more moral for him. Like like obviously this is reducing it to the absurd, but it would be more moral to go kill people. And and they wouldn't say that, and they would be really offended if if you said that to them. Uh, some would. Some wouldn't. They'd be like, oh yeah, it's, it's actually true. Um, but that, that's kind of the idea. So what, what's the basis of their objection or their worldview? Right. 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 So someone says, you know, I, I, Christians are so evil, they do all these kinds of evil things. Well, what's your standard of morality? Where do you get right. the idea of, that, of evil and good, good and bad? Because the only reason that you can make like objective statements is because God created logic. and He right. created reason. He created standards. Yeah, well, and, it, and, you know, I usually hear something along the lines of there is no such thing as objective morality. It's just whatever we, as a, as a society, collectively decide or right. determine is right or what's wrong. Um, but I've never heard, and I doubt I ever will, someone come out and say that there are no things that are completely off-limit. There's nothing that is actually objectively morally right or wrong. Like, I don't think there's anyone who will say that, like, Raping a child. I've met him. I was doing evangelism and I talked to a guy, and that's what that's what he got to. See, I see. I've never heard that, but at least he's being consistent. Yeah, it was. You know? It was. It was really disturbing. I think he. I think he was disturbed by the fact that he said that. Mm-hmm. So I, then, is that the point of precept? Right. The point of precept is to well, not necessarily because then it's like you feel like around disturbing people. You're like you're like <laughs> oh great. No, but I think the point of precept is, look, the only reason that, that you can even think and reason with me right now is because God has created the laws of logic and reason. Mm. Um, so the breath that you're using to deny God is the breath that God gave you. So um, w- w- with precept, we're, not, we're doing a really horrible job of explaining this, I feel like. I feel like it's fine. Um, well, good. <laughs> um, but... With with precept, it, it can be very powerful because you're basically disarming someone. So so you're you're proving that from their worldview, they cannot consistently hold to what they hold to, to what they believe in, mm-hmm. and it's only through the Christian worldview that they can even think that. So it's it, it's it's almost like it's they're they're self defeating when they argue, I guess. Right. So you you help people track their presupposition to its logical right. conclusion. Essentially, is is right. what you're doing with that. Um, talk to me a little bit about the what is it the Columbus approach or the Columbus the approach Columbo question yeah so, I didn't actually read the book I read like three chapters oh you've been 
hoity-toying around, acting like you've read this book before. No, I listen to Psy sometimes. Okay, so he's uh, Adam is referencing a book written by Greg Kokel called Tactics. And in this book, it, it's basically a uh, book that teaches you how to discuss deeper things with people, even if you're just a Joe Schmo theologian. Right. That, I mean, that's not what he says, but that's the basic idea is, is how to have an intelligent conversation with anybody about anything without knowing anything about what they know, more or less. Right. So he's got all, all types of different approaches. And this is a book that you should definitely read. Like, absolutely. Um, I love how you looked right at me when you said that. Well, I was looking at I was looking at the microphone and I was just pretending that, you know, our five listeners, <laughs> if you count our wives, my wife and your fiance, that's three listeners. And then you count you who edits, and then me who listens. We really only have one listener. Yeah, I don't even think. So, I don't even think our mom listens anymore. No, she did for a while. It was really annoying because she yeah, texts us all the time. Worst. Yeah, no. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> tactics. So one of the tactics is the Columbo question. So he talks about the TV show Columbo um, and how the guy would walk around acting like an idiot, always asking people questions. So the, the first question is, like, why do you think the way that you think? So someone says, like, a statement. It's, the question is, well, what do you, why do you think that way? And the next question is, what reasons do you have for thinking that? And so you're basically, they're talking to you. You're asking them questions. So you're staying engaged. You're learning more and more information about what they believe. And eventually, like, through your questions, you're trying to lead them to a point where it's like, okay, you're actually, sorry, I just bumped the table. That's going to be, that looks really bad in our uh, sound thing here. Um, you're trying to get them to a point where they're, they kind of get themselves in the corner and then you ask more pointed questions. Mm -hmm. So I I guess an example of that would kind of be, think of episode six when Adam and I did have this baptism discussion is we were using the Columbo tactic on each other. Not like I'm going to get you, but we were um, asking questions about why we believe what we believe about baptism. What's the conclusion that we got to about those. And then we were asking questions to say, okay, now, is your position consistent? Is my position consistent? And trying to poke holes in each other's positions and give the opportunity to say, no, actually, there's a legitimate reason for this. Which well, I feel like one of us did. Right. And one of us Thank is I'm still a Baptist. Oh, oh good one. So, well, um, I will say, I, there's a lot in that episode I would change. Um, but it's fine. Too late mainly, now, mainly sucker. <laughs> um, mainly my, what? Nothing, it's fine. So here's, here's one thing I was going to mention on tactics, and then you threw me off, and I can't remember what it was. Um, yeah, so what you'll find when you're doing the, what is it, the Columbo approach? Uh, yeah. Basically, sure. it just means ask questions. Ask now, questions. When you're well. asking people questions about wh- where did you get that, where did you learn that, why do you think that, those types of things, what you'll find is a lot of people have a conclusion and they have no idea how they got right. to it. And when they start talking about why they believe what they believe, not what they believe, but why they believe what they believe, they figure out holy cow, I have never actually thought this through mm-hmm. at all. Um, at the very least, you learn a lot about their position so that you can talk more intelligently about that. It's like the, uh, you know, in negotiating, you never want to name your price first, right? You want to find out what they actually believe. Because if someone says something like, I'm a Christian, you have no idea what that could possibly mean. You uh-huh. know, like, yep. like you might have an idea, but there are so many different people that hold the different doctrines. Especially and, after they watch God is Not Dead. Right, they watch God is Not Dead, they're all confused. Uh, you know, but 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 just asking them questions like, oh, so so what are your thoughts on this? Or what, where did you learn that? That kind of thing. They're going to tell you what they believe. They're going to be able to find their own terms. And then you can talk to them about what they believe. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the idea. Yeah, yeah. So I, the, the classic <laughs> precept question is, and, and people kind of make fun of it a little bit, at least precept guys do, is when people say something, the, the, the question is, according to what standard, <laughs> right? Um, which is good. It can only get you so far because they'll get frustrated. It can only get you so far? According to what according standard? To what <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's like, it's such an interesting phrased question with most people never heard something like that. Like, well, why, why, what Wait, is my standard for most that? Most people have never heard something like that? According to what standard? <laughs> right? Dang it, Adam. <laughs> Facebook. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a good approach. Um, what are some like benefits and maybe negatives of, of the pre-sub that, that you would see? Um, 
benefits are that I think that you address the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with evidentialism, you can get evidence, but it's pretty easy for someone to turn around and try and find more evidence. Um, yeah, that, and I do that same thing when I'm dealing with it, when I'm working through something. I'm like, oh, well, I'm not going to give up my position necessarily until I can no longer prove it. So I'm just going to go back and try to find something else or twist something or find find a stat or whatever. You know, um, with pre-sup, when you start, when you start um, attacking, I don't know if attacking is the right word, but I guess you are attacking the... Um, the heart of what somebody believes, like the core of why they believe something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Greg Kokel in his book Tactics talks about putting a stone in, in someone's shoe so that it's there that they have to wrestle with it, they have to think about it. And I, even just thinking about, um, you know, something as simple as, <laughs> simple, I say simple, but something as like um, well known as carbon dating, right? Uh, carbon dating is completely done on a presuppositional basis. We presuppose that the earth is this long right. or this old and then we're going to carbon date off of that, right? So you can you can talk about dating with people and give evidence for it and it's not going to change anything. But if you change someone's presuppositions, then they have to look at that evidence in a totally different light. So I mean mm-hmm. that's a bad example, but that, that communicate with No, you. yeah, I, I think it's good. I think it's good. Um, do you think there's any place for evidential apologetics yeah. So it's it's kind of like, especially for hardcore reform people, which I think I would <laughs> I would be, um, they would say that you know presup is the way to go. Like it's the only way. I mean, and that's you've got R.C. Sproul, who was a classical apologist, and John Gerstner, and, and these other really heavy hitting reform guys. But some some people are very very staunch and like it's it's presup or die, presup or nothing, presup or bust. And it's like, well, no, it's 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 precept evidential, yeah. <laughs> I guess, because you can only like precept is good, but you also have to have a reason for the faith that is within you, mm-hmm. right? While you contend for the faith, so it's a both and, not an either or. I agree, I agree, and I, I usually I prefer precept. I'm better at precept than I am. Because you don't have to know everything. Exactly, because I'm a dummy. Um, but but I think there's. I would usually start there, but I think there's plenty of, of hurdles and things out there that need to be jumped from a evidentialist standpoint as well. Yep. Yep. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit um, and move away from the apologetics conversation for a second. And we got a, uh, a message. It wasn't a review on iTunes. So I don't know if this, this counts as our uh, contest that we laid out. Well, I haven't actually posted that episode. Yeah, I know yet. you. I know you haven't. So I know she has no idea about this, um, and nobody else does. Well, they will know by the time this comes out. What are you talking about? Because you're going to post the next one tomorrow. They're going to listen to that yeah, one. You're going to post this but one. She posted that before I ever posted the thing, so she didn't know okay, about the content. Okay, so she's not getting anything. I feel like she should. Well, I, I'm kind of thinking she should too. That's where I was getting yeah, at. Like, let, like let's give her something, yeah. even though it wasn't it's really on iTunes. Like, yeah. So, but we're not looking for we're not looking for messages on our on our Facebook. No, page. we're looking for reviews. We're looking for we want those two guys. We want those two. But we want recognition. We want, for our work. <laughs> no, no, no. We want we want to perpetuate perpetuate the gospel through the iTunes database media center with 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 your help. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so yeah. So if you review and you rate, it pops up on their like I don't know algorithms or whatever, and it pushes it out. <laughs> That's what it does. <laughs> don't give me that. Stop messing with me. It's the truth. <laughs> Why is this funny? Because you just sound so dumb. Uh, but it's tr- it's like the actual right. term. Cool. So it pushes <laughs> Um. So, anyways. She, we, we have, we have a, a comment, a message. Can I just read this, please? <laughs> so this is, this is from, um, Mackenzie Moose Groovy. <laughs> right? Well, like I said, well, we're going to mispronounce everyone's names. It's, it's going to be fun. So this is, this is what Moose Groovy says. Hey there. Just started listening to your podcast as I'm working through understanding covenant theology. You guys speak right at my level. So far, so good. Y'all are definitely corny and totally dudes, but I'm okay with that. Thanks again. And we would say, Mackenzie, you're welcome. Absolutely. We, we, uh, so what do you mean by corny? Uh, I mean, well, really. we're a little corny. <laughs> are we corny? 
Our sign off is, is oh, super yeah, corny, but I love it. I, I, I love it. Right. Also, I want to say, I f- <clears throat> as I was looking through the, the messages, because you responded to her and started just giving her some encouragement about covenant <laughs> theology and um, gave her a wrong view with your uh, 16 oh, I listened to that, by the way. Did you? Yeah. All yeah, all five. You Baptist yet? You should be. <laughs> no. All right. Um, but here's... So... Thank, thank you for that message. We appreciate it. We love it. I actually wanted to ask you very quickly. I mean, we can maybe talk about this offline if you want. But she asked, what's the difference between, like, what, what are the consequences of holding to a Mosaic covenant as a covenant of works or a continuation of the covenant of grace? Uh-huh. And, and I gave three reasons. One, man can be reconciled by God through keeping the law if you believe it's a covenant of works. Two, Israel and the church are not the same covenant people. And three, children are no longer part of the covenant community and therefore do not receive baptism. So I know that one you would agree with, but what about the other two? Um, what do you mean by covenant of works, though? Because I think it's a covenant of works, but not a covenant of works to salvation. There were blessings in the covenant, um, and there were curses in the covenant. Mm-hmm. And they received both. When they broke the covenant, they received the cursings of the covenant. So I, I think it was a conditional um, covenant of works, mm-hmm. but not one that led to salvation. So you you would not you would not say whenever God is talking to Israel through Moses and he talks about God redeeming them and redeeming them and redeeming them, that's not a redemption unto salvation necessarily. Wait, say that again when, when you're talking when, God talking to Moses. When when all throughout reading the Pentateuch, especially specifically Exodus through Deuteronomy, whenever God says, "I have redeemed you; you are my people." And then you've got these different covenant stipulations. You w- would you say that this redemption is a salvific redemption or not? Well, it, I, I would have to see what you're talking about. I'm not really sure. Okay, let's go with Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Yeah, this is redeeming. Right. You? So I, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Israel, who redeemed you, or redeemed you from the land of Egypt through the Mosaic Covenant. Right. And then you That's have, and then you have the Ten Commandments, and then you have the Mosaic Covenant. So, do you, do you what what's What's up with that? Because I'm, I'm a little confused as to what you mean. Um, I mean that when God says, if I'm understanding you correctly, when God says that he's redeeming you, um, he's referring to the, the covenant of promise um, from Genesis 3, mm-hmm. but not redeeming you through your works in the Mosaic covenant slash Ten Commandments. Is that what you're asking? I guess. So I'm trying to understand, like, when you say the covenant of works, that makes me think of in the garden. No, it, it's not. It's not a salvific covenant of works. It's a covenant of, of works in regards to the blessings and curses that came through that particular covenant. Okay. And I have to go and look up all those things that they were or weren't. But um, you know, Hosea six talks about them transgressing the covenant, not like the covenant that God made with Adam. Um, you know, so I think he's referring to the Mosaic Covenant there. So they transgressed the covenant. I think what it means when it says not like the covenant made with Adam is not a salvific covenant, mm-hmm. but yet a covenant of works nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So is that sure. No, I just was curious as, as to your thoughts, and I would actually kind of like keep talking about this, but I want to. We're talking about. Or we were talking about apologetics. So we'll save that. But uh, I also want to say I'm sorry, Mackenzie, for probably confusing you with our uh, different views. But now you have different things to go off of. So I hope that's helpful. Yeah, Baptist right. For on a lot of okay. things. Yeah, <laughs> on, on a lot of things. I actually, the more I look into it, the more I'm um, just, I guess not surprised, but pleased to see how much continuity there is between some really important things. There's a lot of difference as well, but between Baptist and Presbyterians. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I think uh, I think we we need to get along a little bit better. Absolutely. I think we get along pretty well. You, you, you guys are a little mean to us. You're a little mean to us. Why are we mean to you? I don't know. We're right. No. We're, <laughs> how, how are we mean to you? You guys won't even let us be reformed. <laughs> You're like, no. Yeah, no, that's, that's we a, don't grant you that title. That's uh, that's a little ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely would not say that. Um, but, okay, but Baptists are like, you Presbyterians, you, you keep reform, reforming, you know, Semper Reformata, you always got to keep reforming, and they're not, they're stupid, so there's it's both sides. So calm I down. I've never heard that. Are you kidding me, dude? Go on the pub. Not, well, My I, Lanta. I purposely left the pub. Yeah. Ago good. It was all negative good. All good call. Yeah. Good call. All right. Uh, maybe next time we'll talk about Infinity War.
Oh, are we allowed to do that? I mean, no, we're not gonna do that. Okay. But it's awesome. You should go see it. It's awesome. I've seen it. Have you? Yeah. Did you like it? I did. Oh, it's so good. It was good. I'm so proud of you. Thanks. Okay. Uh, what can they do, Adam? Yeah. Um, what we literally just told you to do: go to iTunes, give us a review, tell us you love us, win a free prize. Actually, you won't win another prize. I think <laughs> so there's still that last episode. Yeah. Yeah. But still, we're done with prizes. But what we're not done is receiving affirmation. You know what? I'm just going to put this out there. 14 days from the time that that last podcast dropped. So it's dropping tomorrow. Dropping tomorrow. Okay, so tomorrow is the 16th. Yeah. So So as long as you send something before that, because I'm probably going to post this one. By the 29th? 29th? Yeah, we need something by the 29th. We'll call it June 1st. No, 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 the 30th. Let's go with first. I like the first. June 1st. If That's we don't Friday. get something by June 1st, not on June 1st, before June 1st, 12 1 a.m. Okay, so so Mackenzie's already getting something. Yeah, Mackenzie's got it. So okay. okay. All right. So what, she. What she, did she, she was getting? D.B. Warfield? No, what was yours? I was Hold Holiness, Holiness, and you were you recommended a book you never read, so I don't think that counts. Yeah, but she doesn't get that. It we should get sense. her a book on Covenant Theology. Yeah, a Baptist book. No, you gave her 1689 Federalism. I can give her, like, uh, Covenants Made Simple. Okay, I'm just going to send... I'll just send her the books that I own now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Why? <laughs> what if you, like, have, like, bent pages and it smells like you? It, Ooh. it does on both accounts. <laughs> Gross. But it's better than nothing. It's free. Oh, right? my word. You are so right. cheap. so leave us a review on iTunes. Here's what I want you to do send next time. Send us something on Facebook. Uh, ask your questions like Mackenzie did. Uh, what else can you do? Next, Tell your friends about it. Next week, I want you to have like podcast. this written out, like like like, so it, it just flows. What the whole like the clothes? What can they do? It's always different. Nobody like everyone's confused. No, it's fine. No, it's not fine. It's, it's silly. You but do it. leave us a review. You did it for like the first fifteen episodes. No, I did, did it for like the first review for, for like for like the End first of the show. I did. Joe no, can oh no, that's Peace. my thing. Bye. So I'm gonna say it, and since I'm in Have control of audacity, I can choose to stop it and to keep going. Is it in your algorithm? So. Well, Audacity does have an algorithm, Adam. Just, just end it. Okay. All right. Bye. So everybody. listen. Okay. We got big things coming. All right. We got huge things coming. You might say we're still going. All right. I hope I hope our conversation has at least piqued your curiosity on apologetics. It's probably made you roll your eyes because we really stumbled through it. I hope you don't watch God is Not Dead because because I watched God is Not Dead and now I wish I was. So there's that. (laughs) Also, I did want to say that Professor Radisson, his mom has cancer, which is why he hates God and. If the circumstances were right, if if the cards had been played differently according to Molinism, Professor Radisson, the atheist, may actually have turned into Star-Lord, the Guardian of the Galaxy. Because they had similar origin Whoa. stories. Yeah. Boom. You yeah. don't know. God we could have watched we could have watched God is Not world. Dead with Star Lord. That would have been awesome. That would have been dope. Would have been great. Alright, y'all. Until next time, every Joe Schmo can grow some Mo. Peace. Say peace. Say peace. Peace. Revolution Somehow
Fire for 